Hello and welcome to Nikki Talks. My name is Nikki Rishon Scholl and Nikki Talks is a series of conversations with interesting people who are from Cape Ann or doing interesting things on Cape Ann. And so today I am really pleased to have Isla Sahai Proudy, who I have known probably since she was maybe about three, maybe four. Mm -hmm. um, and she is here to talk about a project she's involved in and so we're going to get started. Hi, Isla. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I always talk a little bit in the beginning or ask a few questions about, okay. you know, how long you've been on Cape Ann and <laughs> a little bit about your growing up and just a little, a couple of pieces of history and then we'll talk about okay, what, sure. what you're doing. So, how long have you been on Cape Ann? I moved here when I was three <laughs> and uh, I have, I mean, this is my home. I currently live in North Carolina, but I orbit back through here every mm -hmm. summer, so mm -hmm. I'm back here again. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you live before you were, you know, zero uh, to three? Uh, zero to three, I lived in uh, Manchester. Oh, far, far. Distant yes. Manchester by the sea? Yes. Exactly. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so um, you've left and come back, but you haven't moved mm. back, really. Uh, no. Uh, well, I guess... It depends on your vantage point. I yeah. maybe never left, right? But I, well, so I'm, uh, I lived here, uh, for, I've lived here a long time, but most recently I've been living in North Carolina and I teach there. Yeah. And, um, but I, I still feel very grounded here. Mm -hmm. So I come back and hang with my folks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, did you go to Gloucester schools, or did you go? Yeah, I went. I went to um, uh, Plum Cove School, yeah. and then I went to Fuller School, which yeah. is turning into something else the right y now. Why or something like that? Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, rather it is. than being yeah. empty. Yeah. And then I went to O'Malley. Yeah. And then I went to high school in Beverly at the Waring School. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so was that? Do you think that was part of kind of your formative? Like who you are today in terms of what you're doing or what your interests are or what your passions are? Did you think that wearing played a role in that? Uh, yes. I think, I think, well, absolutely wearing played a role in how I approach things intellectually. I would say yeah. in terms of thinking about how I approach things emotionally and creatively, uh, Lanesville had a lot more to do with that. And how so? My mom yeah. and... Uh, the mythic artists of Cape Ann and yeah. even um, the Rain or Shine School, which was in Rockport with Adern Jekyll. Yes. And I was very little going there every Saturday, Rain or Shine, making things. So um, I knew very young uh, that I was going to be an artist and a teacher, and I hmm. began to observe the other artists and teachers around me mm. as I was trying to do that. Yeah. So, um, and there were lots of them yeah. of all different types. Yeah. I think of uh, other people who influenced me, my middle school art teacher, Judith Cooper, oh, influenced yeah. me. Yeah. Mainly by helping me um, uh, break the rules so I could spend more time in the art room. <laughs> and then... Um, That's great. That's really great. Robert Natty yep. also yep. taught me a lot about how to be a person in the world and an yeah, artist, creative, 
explorer <laughs> person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I told a story about him when Matt Natty was on the show about how he, when I had to move when I was in, I moved to Rhode Island for one year when I was mm -hmm. in high school. And he was just, he would call me at night and <laughs> say, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he was just, just such a gem. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. great. So, um, okay. So I want to talk a little bit about your project, what you're doing right now. Okay, sure. And um, I'm going to read first just two paragraphs from your visiting artist proposal and then ask you to kind of fill in the pieces that would come afterwards. Sure. Okay. So I'm going to read this. The title is A Social Construction. And this is what Isla has written. Race is sweet and vile, integral to our lives and wholly beside the point. A social construction allows people to respond to the language of race speak through each other's words and speak their minds. There is no other way than to meet people where they are now, naive, furious, tolerant, exhausted, optimistic. A social construction combines an interactive exhibition with social events that together prompt an unfolding of the complexities of race in opposition to the reductive and retrenched conversations in our culture. I engage people in thinking about how we use words to describe, imply, and evaluate race, to ask them to reflect on how they see their own skin tone and the skin tone of others, and to present race as a social as opposed to scientific construction. So, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> um, <coughs> well, um, I, uh, let's see, so I, it's a lot to say, but. Of course, so, of course, don't worry, just. Um, I'm half African-American. Many of the people watching the show will know yeah. my parents, yeah. uh, uh, Dick Prouty and Doris Prouty. Yeah. And um, so to locate this in the kind of Gloucester context, I grew up um, with my mom being the only African-American person around. Yes. Um, aside from my family, but like within Gloucester. Yes. And I remember as a teenager, I got a job working for the second African-American person to move to town, and everyone was confused oh. and asked me if my mom had started a restaurant downtown. Because I was working for her. I'm blanking on her name right now. What was the restaurant? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, um, I, 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 I look like a white woman, but I consider myself to be um, mixed race, biracial, um, and I've always had a kind of complicated relationship with race mm. and wanted to have a complicated relationship mm -hmm, with race. Mm -hmm. I don't want the conversations in our culture to be as reductive as they are. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was kind of moved to begin this particular kind of series of work when um, the media turned its slow gaze, slow and fast gaze on the, the killings of black men by police. Yeah. And I felt like what they were doing, they were, we were just losing ground. Everything was very reductive, yeah. black and white. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to try to reintroduce opportunities for complex conversations about mm -hmm. race. Mm -hmm. 
and also to look at the ways race is being constructed, race as a concept uh, is being constructed in our culture every day. Um, and um, this idea that race is a scientific construction is still kind of out there, right? There's science. Can you be more clear about what you mean by that? Well, I mean, started, I read that, but I didn't quite... Right, so um, we think that there's sort of like uh, really valid distinctions between the races, oh, right? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, there, there aren't. Right. And we think that there are different skin types and tones. and There are different skin types. They're called HLAs, but there are over 10,000 of them. And they don't map to... What is, do you know what HLA stands for? Uh, no, you'd have to ask my husband, the computer programmer guy. Oh, but, that's interesting, yeah. Um, uh, so we, um, we look at each other and make an assessment about culture and identity based on what we see in front of us, right? Yep. And that's true for everyone. We do it, um, some people do it, most people do it unconsciously. Many people do it with some kind of recognition of what they're doing. And I'd like people to to recognize what they're doing and to do that with more um, care. Um, yeah. It's not that we shouldn't have categories in the world, right? But when categories become hard and fast, they become useless, really. Well, and there's the critical right. mind, the judgmental right. critical mind that jumps in and makes those decisions. Right. And so there's a lot of historical and social muck yeah. in, in the United States, I mean, everywhere, but right. let's talk right. about the United States around what is black, what is white, what is Asian, what is Latinx, all of these things. And, um, and we're still trying to do that, like with genetic testing, to try to make sure we understand <laughs> whether we're this or that, to kind of know oneself. That's a cool impulse, but um, right. to harden that is a dangerous impulse. Right, right. So, I um, mean, things like all, the, all those genetic, like... Yeah. Whatever those. Which are based on, um, you know, genetic databases that are uh, incomplete and primarily European. Like Ancestry.com. So, yeah, there's a lot. There, it's complicated. I mean, it's cool. I think it's cool, but it's also. I'm always very suspicious of that. I mean, a combination <laughs> of being suspicious yeah. of it and wondering, like, why the heck would you even, why would you do that? I mean, I, I, me yeah. personally, I, I just. Yeah. But maybe that's why. I mean, I just haven't. Been well, I mean, I think if you it. have the knowledge. Yeah. Uh, then it's less compelling. But yeah. if you don't know, yeah. it's, there's some, it's compelling. I guess, yeah. yeah. So um, I took up this idea of the paper bag test uh, to think about the idea of colorism and judgment of uh, people based on their color, the skin tone. The paper bag test in the African-American community is not, it's not, um, it's not a beautiful part of African-American culture, but um, uh, black folks uh, have used the paper bag to sort themselves either lighter or darker than a paper bag. And, uh, what do you mean? I'm not sure I understand. So if your skin tone... Have you, in yeah. terms of descriptors or...? You no, know, with it like as a discriminatory way of sorting people. Um, so if you're lighter than a paper bag, you have access to certain clubs, churches, And that, that's the language around it? Like somebody might say, if you're lighter than a paper bag? Oh, yeah. Ah, and then, or darker than a paper bag. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. And That's it goes both ways. And uh, so, um, huh. and it has its origins in slavery where house slaves are lighter skinned traditionally. Yeah. Um, and then uh, field slaves are darker skinned, mm -hmm. which that's a whole long and complicated history around whether, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. But um, I decided to take this idea of, a test that seems like 
um, kind of horrifying to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, to broaden it as a way of thinking about race is much more complex. So I created, um, I, I opened up paper bags and painted them with lots of different um, colors that approximate skin tones. And then I collected a, a series of words um, that we use to describe race. Some of them are, uh, and I, I collect them from different areas. So like uh, from, from historical references, from contemporary language, from uh, mm. foundation colors, slurs, all kinds of yeah, things, yeah. and paired those um, with a color. So for example, um, in your mind, if I say the word fair, a certain color comes to mind, even though the word fair um, has multiple meanings. Right, right. It also means just, right? Right, right. <laughs> and so uh, why fair-skinned folks get to have that uh, word associated with their skin tone is something I want to explore. Yeah. Also the word natural. Um, and mm. then you can think about um, what the word dark or um, darky mm -hmm. means. And then the words, but also simply black and white. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of different words. So I collected maybe 60 different words. And at, at well, you, you shared some of them with me. Yeah. I remember brown sugar was one of yeah. them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because, because they're also like colloquial sort of some of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them resonate more in different areas of the sure. country than others. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, so the so the pieces, this first part of this um, series of pieces, the paper bag test is a series of paper bags on the wall and you're invited to write on them and respond to them, and a conversation unfolds on the. So, paper if I bags. came to an exhibit, that's what that's would right. happen. Yeah, you would There'd be see a pen them, and, I would and you could write on them, and you can write on any of them. Yep. And what happens over time is a conversation unfolds about, um, you know, the word porcelain, for example, yeah. and people that might bring up a lot of different ideas. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people draw. Sometimes they simply sign their names. Sometimes they write a hashtag, yeah, yeah. you know, so there's a lot of different ways that that, that happens. I, I traveled that piece around the country and... Um, and how many bags? So, oh, like how, how many bags, how many words? It's different in each location, oh, okay. yeah. so I think the least I've done is nine and the most is maybe 35. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I need a lot of wall space. So. Yeah, yeah, it's all about <laughs> <Right>. wall space. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, and I tra I, so I traveled that to um, California, Michigan, South Carolina, Massachusetts, mm. New Hampshire, I'm forgetting yeah, several, yeah, yeah. but um, places and, and people responded in their ways in these different mm. places and um, for a while that's just the piece that I was doing. But I realized I had this stack of paper bags and I was seeing, I was really moved by the comments and I wanted to spend more time with them. Yeah. Moved, disturbed, curious, right. um, afraid, all kinds of yeah, things, yeah. Um, happy <laughs> to yeah, see yeah. these conversations. Yep. So I um, spent time transcribing the comments and I built these um, strings of comments that I'm calling scripts. And the second part of... I have one question there. Mm -hmm. So the strings of comments, if you were to string together some comments, mm -hmm. would they be from different bags or all from one bag? Uh, uh, they're usually from different bags so coming together. Be, yeah. Well, okay. like if if on a bag there's a sequence of three or four comments, I've kept that intact. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but if there, so for example, there were conversations about um, 
uh, whether race matters as a construct yeah. in all the different locations. And um, those are complicated conversations. Some people want to write black lives matter and then somebody writes all lives matter. Sure. And that phrase, then somebody says, I don't think you realize what you mean yes. when you say all lives matter, right. what that does to the previous comment. And so yes. there's these, a conversation might happen. Um, so I tried to pull together these sort of meta conversations about mm -hmm. the different topics that I was seeing. Mm -hmm. So I really tangled with them. Mm. And um, the second piece that I'm doing now is asking people, um, uh, well, so the minute I write on a paper bag, I, I'm having this engagement with it, but when I walk away, I'm disembodied. My, I'm not there anymore. It's just my comment. And I found myself making assumptions about the person that wrote a comment. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to check myself about that. Sure. And so if I imagine different people saying that comment, like what is that, how it plays differently depending on the context did you and find the yourself, meaning that I bring to it. Did you find yourself, while you're forming opinions about the person who wrote the comment, also thinking about, well, that was a white person or that was a black person? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like that. Yeah. yeah, not just like whether that was an enlightened person yeah. or someone yeah. who hasn't traveled very far down the road yet, yeah. uh, but like where they came from, what sure. their socioeconomic status is. Right. I mean, I, you're right. looking for clues. Sure, like yeah, yeah, yeah. The handwriting is very loopy. You're yeah. thinking, oh, yeah. Yeah. I know who that is, yeah. right? Which right. is crazy. It is. It and is. so I wanted, to, I wanted to really um, explore that impulse within myself mm -hmm. and to give other people the opportunity to, fear, to experience some, the dissonance of what it's like to think about these comments on other bodies. So, um, so I created this piece called the Reconstitution Readings, which means reconstituting these comments into a reading. And a diverse group of people comes together to read the comments. And um, sometimes they match who I feel I am if I'm reading it. And sometimes it, it's like I would never say that or even yeah. think it. Yeah. Right? And what does that feel like? Help. So just a mechanical question. Sure, sure. I'm going to ask you a few minutes yeah, yeah, before. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. So, so you bring together a diverse group of people. They get the bags. You've already strung together the... They get the scripts. They get the scripts. So yeah. you've already strung so together. I've the done them boiled down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you assign? No. Uh, so first we randomly read them. Okay. And then I break them into small groups to reinterpret the script. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so they um, choose a part of the script to work with, change up, add to, repeat lines, shout lines, cry lines, whatever they want to do. Yeah. for each other. So it's, there's not an external audience. Right. They're, the group acts as an audience for each other, the larger group. And we play with meaning and intent. And um, mm. they, people pick out, when I say play, I wish we work with it. Yeah, right? no, no, I understand. Um, yeah. Although some of it is, can be very sure. funny, actually. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you mentioned something about somebody reading like this. Yes. And it was like either fair or porcelain or white. That's right. So thinking about, uh, yes, and there's a lot of different ways that people have interpreted. Yeah. And so they interpret and play with that interpretation. What's really important for me is that people are allowed to be naive, to make mistakes, mm -hmm. to get upset during Safe that process. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, and we explore. And then 
in the second part of this kind of event, we, we eat a meal together. And then um, in the final part, each person reworks a part of the script and then presents that to the group. So it's basically a takeover. I, I created yeah. these boiled down scripts, but I, the group reworks them into something that's meaningful for them. And, and so, so you would end up with maybe eight people? It could be, yeah, the group could be eight to, I've done a range of eight to maybe 16 or 17. Yeah. And um, How long does that process take? Uh, most of them been, um, start in the afternoon and we go to the early evening, so about four hours, because mm -hmm. we have dinner in the middle. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then when they present what their, whatever the final piece is, mm -hmm. it would be one person stand, I mean, one after the other, standing up, um, or would they interact with each other? As yeah, they well, for this particular, right, for this particular piece, which is kind of like just digging in, yeah. and also it's important to me that people don't necessarily we're not trying to answer every question. No, no, right? it's we're not more about like that, trying yeah. to ask a lot of questions. Yeah, sure. um, the project starts with lots of voices, oh. large group, yep. medium group, yep. and then um, time to reflect and an individual statement. Because I want people oh, yeah. to be able to speak from their place yeah. ultimately, and not be given words to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so kind of I'm my being, idea about being, it. you know. A, a very practical person. I, Which I, I appreciate. I don't, I don't know if you can answer this, but I feel compelled to ask. Okay. So if you were to actually maybe come up with an example mm -hmm. that would take us from the very beginning, like somebody coming to the exhibit, right. seeing the words, then coming back to the, being invited maybe to come back to the group, mm -hmm. yeah. doing the, the first part of just working with the words together as a larger group, and right. then later presenting what or sharing what right. it is that they that's like the kernel of the experience for them. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example that would help people understand that? Um, you mean like of a specific person's experience? Or a person's experience or a person's language, let's say. Oh. Like how they use the language to get to where they got it. <laughs> uh, or you can even make it up. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, well, I can think about uh, poignant parts of the process for me that yeah. maybe can knit together into a story. Yeah. Um, mostly I don't know who's writing on the bags unless right. they, somebody comes right. and tells me, I, I wrote, wrote that, that and yeah. I want you to read it. Yeah. Right? I, I want to preserve a level of anonymity and oh, freedom. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yep. And so it's a kind of a weird thread because yep. it's a public installation, but I'm not trying to have everybody have to own every word. Right. which is um, dangerous in some ways because people can say whatever they want. But that's exactly what I want them to do. Mm -hmm. So um, right. uh, there was, there's a conversation on one of the first, one of the first location I did was where I'm living now in Boone, North Carolina, in a library. And um, so I knew many of the people who I invited to the project and sure. um, just as I'm hoping to do here. Yes. Um, and... Uh, there was a conversation on a bag labeled porcelain about privilege and, wh and white privilege and whether it was a real thing mm. and, um, and how it came into existence and what we should do about it. And um, there was one comment on there that was very moving to me about, well, that there were, the whole thing was very, um, very complex and interesting to me mm. because there are a lot of different perspectives of people saying this is not a thing like uh, class privilege is a thing race privilege isn't based on my experience I'm a white person and I 
don't feel privileged, right? And so then the next converse, the next person says, um, privilege is not about individuals. It's actually about the system of uh, that has privileged white folks in the United States over time. Yeah. And for example, redlining uh, loans in African American yeah. communities, yeah. right? So um, that whole conversation made its way into the scripts, right? Um, and then uh, in, a, in, a, in one of the first groups that I did, everyone, um, there were multiple groups that wanted, multiple small groups that wanted to work with that particular sequence, mm -hmm. right? And they wanted to really pull apart this idea of uh, trying for themselves to understand what white privilege is or to express their anger about it or to their futility mm -hmm. um, or their kind of just m complete misunderstanding. Um, one of the skits that happened as a result, the kind of performances of it, was that um, four uh, women, all of different ages, all happened to have longish hair, all different races, um, stood in a circle braiding each other's hair and just having a conversation, a scripted conversation, about this, yeah. right? And yeah, this caring gesture, right, yeah. combined kind of with, and the intimacy of yeah. it, um, combined with this kind of conversation about these like big heady ideas, but in this kind of soft voice, was incredibly moving to me. And then one of the it's a perfect right yeah it's perfect right? yeah and then one of the women from the, that group in their individual page that they create of the script that they're going to kind of share with everyone just erased almost every word on the page right except yeah, yeah. Um, the word person and so it said person 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 kind of trying to think about. Uh, the, I don't know, some core idea of what it is to be a person as relates to this idea of all the labels we put on each other. So for me, that, that's the kind of, uh, to kind of circle back, that's a complex engagement with these ideas. Yeah, I love that. As opposed it's to um, a, a blurb on the, you know, MSNBC oh, or yeah. Fox or, or even whatever. just going to an art exhibit. I mean, yeah, or even separation. just looking at something, yeah. right? So the so my my larger practice is called uh, socially engaged art. Yeah, combines art with um, facilitation, community action, and engagement. Yeah, which is like uh, you know my life coming together. Yes, all these yes. kind of compartments of sure. my life, and um, uh, so it's very. Uh, it's both challenging to kind of be thinking about these ideas that are really like, it's much easier to go through life not having to think about yeah. and talk I about mean, all this stuff. Yeah, they're big and they're constantly fluid. And yes. Yeah. Um, so we are actually running out of time. Oh, that's fine. Not. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of how it goes. We might have to do part A and part B. There's <laughs> so much fine. to say and learn about this. It's exciting. Um, but I wonder if you could just say in closing, mm -hmm. um, what you might hope someone would come away from, either a participant mm -hmm. or if there was a, a, a possibility of an audience for mm -hmm. some of this stuff. Like what, what, 
you know, if you can sort, I know it's a really big question, but like what, what you would want it's someone to, no, yeah. I know. <laughs> what you would want someone to kind of take away and maybe alter something about the way they think about race. Mm. Um, well, I, I will say that one of my goals is to have people who have participated in this reading event come together to create a public performance that's more considered, not spur of the moment. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so that, that part hopefully will happen. Yeah. Um, I think that we all can, um, you know, uh, we all uh, can spend time re-examining how we view each other. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a core piece, whether mm -hmm. you're... I think about some of my past participants, whether you're a six-foot-tall African-American um, family counselor professor, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, or, um, you know, whether you're a, a, a teenage, um, young, white uh, female, um, or mm -hmm. you're yourself, or you're mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. um, that you can... Uh, you can understand something you haven't understood before by um, reading and speaking the words of others, yeah. taking a risk to kind of be outside of one's own, the way w one's own identity is constructed, right? So I have an idea of how I am, but actually my identity is created somewhere in the middle yes. here between you and I, yes, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Because you, um, you have ideas about who I am yeah. and I have ideas about who I yes. am, but how that unfolds in the world is something else. And so yeah. that social construction of identity, in this case we're talking about racial identity, but could go other ways um, because it's important to think about this as all kind of intersectional. Yes, um, of course. That, uh, that, 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 is a, that social contract is important. And um, when you're witnessing someone's identity, um, as I witness your identity or you witness my identity, that's it. There's some responsibility in that, um, mm. and uh, we need to develop awareness around that. That's great. I mean, that's a great. If if that could even move a, a centimeter <laughs> toward toward, I mean, that's it's such a uh. brilliant idea. I think oh. it's really pretty fabulous. And now we actually have to close. So okay. thank you, Isla. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>